guy seems so far away. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you are our Father. Father God, thank you that you are the one who does teach us. Father, thank you that you are the one who does instruct us. Lord, we pray that you would instruct us this morning. Lord, we pray that we would hear what you have to say to us. Lord, we pray that that you would speak this morning and that we would hear and obey. Amen. Now, I have the most incredible respect for parenthood. I, I honestly believe that raising a family next to following Jesus is one of the most important things you can do in this world. And it's an incredible blessing from God. But you know, with that blessing comes a responsibility. Because God desires godly families. God desires families where the mum and the dad teach and show and live out for their children what it means to follow Jesus. Last week we started our series on growing godly families and we looked at at husbands and wives. And we said, well, what does the Gospel say about how they relate to each other? This morning... Paul says to us, well, let's explore what Christian faith means for parents and for children. And the reason I got Reg to read verse 21 is because this is still unpacking what verse 21, actually verses 18 to 21 say. Paul is describing a family where the Spirit of God is. And I do believe that our Christian families are meant to stand out in the neighborhood. As I said last week, when Jesus takes up residence, people will notice a change. But I wonder, I wonder how often our homes are the place where we can act normal. The places where we seem to be the least Christian. C.S. Lewis has got a great article he wrote. He says he was sitting in a church listening to a a preacher preach about family and and our home life is so wonderful and important and the best place ever. And C.S. Lewis says, well, I switched off because I'd been to his house and they were arguing and they were bickering and it was a place where love was absent. You know, we can be so holy and righteous and, and for God when we're outside. And we go home and it's, it's, it's sometimes like a switch throws. And we're narky and we're grumpy and, and we don't wake me up before 12 o'clock in the morning. Now, I thank God that I had parents who showed me what it means to follow Jesus. But I, I do still remember driving to church fighting with my brothers and sisters. And we arrived at the car park and it was a, we're at church, stopped. And suddenly it goes from, ah, to, ah. <laughs> Terrible. Hypocrisy. Now, I, I must admit, uh, and it's a strange thing to admit, that 
that I like reading the most published book in the world. Who knows what the most published book in the world is? No. No. Ikea catalog. <laughs> Ikea catalog is uh, on a yearly publication. They publish masses of the stuff. It's great. I've, I've got last year's and this year's catalog in my bookshelf. One of the things in there, they, they talk about how they test their sofas. And they, they have this machine which drives into the sofa like a couple of thousand times um, to see when the sofa is going to break. I think that's kind of like our families and our faith. It's at home where, where our faith is put to the test. Which is why Paul uses our home and our relationships, our relationships at home to describe what a spirit-filled life looks like to describe what it means to submit to each other out of reverence for Jesus. It's at home where we live out what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so today we're looking at at parents and children, or or to use Paul's order, children and parents. We're going to look at at kids, how you're meant to, to act with your parents, and parents, how you're meant to act with your kids. Just as an aside, I I found this fascinating. Um, Did you know that that in the first century, towards the end of the first century BC, the Roman uh, government put in place their version of a baby bonus? Because nobody was having kids. They thought it was too much of a bother. It messed up your life. And so the Roman government gave you money to have kids. Hasn't society moved on? Incredible, isn't it? Anyway... Chapter 6, verse 1. Let me open it up again. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Look at what Paul says. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Just the first thing to notice there. Paul writes to children. He writes to children directly. He doesn't say, parents, tell your children to obey. He says, children, obey. And I think that kind of implies that that Paul expects the kids to be in the church. He expects it to be a family experience. He, He expects God's kids to hear God's word. Because the Bible and, and, and the message is just as much for the children as it is for us. So what does he say? Children, obey your parents. Obey them, kids. Your, your mum and dad are in charge. What they say goes. And I know that can be a difficult thing to do. I, I myself disobeyed my parents. I got in the drain, for example, so many times. Um, and it's difficult to obey because we want to have our own way. We want to make our own decisions. Emily says yes. But you know, part of being a Christian is obeying mum and dad. Paul says, kids, obey your parents because it is the right thing to do. It is right. As a matter of fact, obeying your parents is right whether you or they are Christians or not. 
obeying your parents is part of the way God designed families to work. Kids are meant to obey their parents. They usually do know what they're talking about. But, I mean, we've all come across families where, where kids don't obey their parents. You know those families where the kids are in charge? Where Tommy and Tuppence don't do what mum and dad say? And that's just not on. It's just not right. Somewhere else Paul writes and says, disobedient kids, kids who don't obey their parents, is, is one of the signs of a society that God has given over to its own godlessness. A society where disobedience is the norm is a society which has walked away from God. But we're Christians and it's wonderful and and we're not far from God and God says, yes, if you're a Christian, if you're a child, obey your parents. And do it because you're a Christian. Obey your parents in the Lord. Doing what mum and dad says, kids, this is for you, is one of the ways that you can show Jesus how much you love Him. And if you learn to obey your mum and dad now, what you're really learning is how to obey God. Jesus Himself gives us the example. When He was a young lad, He listened to and He obeyed Mary and Joseph. And the call to all of us is to be like Jesus. And if we're kids, that means we're to be like Him as a kid. Obey our parents. Now, of course, if, if, if your mum and dad tells you to do something which God wouldn't like, then, then you can't do that. But apart from that, says Paul, children are to obey. And obedience is what you do. And the reason you do it is, is what Paul says in verses 2 and 3. Honour your father and your mother. Obedience is a way of showing respect to your parents. Because parents are God's workers in the family. They're God's ambassadors in the family. In verses 2 and 3, Paul looks back and he he looks at the Ten Commandments and he he brings up number 5. Children, obey your father and your mother. And he tacks on a promise, God does, and says, so that you may live long and, and, and have a great life. It's the Nicholas Version. You know, when we look at the Ten Commandments, you've probably heard that that you can divide them into two halves. First bit is about how we relate to God. It's it's got things like don't have idols and and uh, keep the Sabbath, keep a day for the Lord, and and then you've got the second half of the Ten Commandments, which is about how we relate to each other. So don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery, all of that. And number five is this command to honour your father and your mother. So is honouring your father and your mother something that fits in the first half? Is it about God? Or is it about others? I, I, I think what Paul does when he quotes commandment number five what the Bible does is to say that 
honoring your father and your mother is a God thing. Honoring your father and mother is about you and God. Honoring your father and your mother is about honoring God. Take a look at Leviticus chapter 19, verses 1 and 3. I'll just read it to you. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel. Say to them, Be holy, because I, the Lord, am holy. Each of you must respect your mother and father and observe my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Do you see what God does there? God says, respecting and honoring your parents is a part of being holy like God is holy. Honoring your father and your mother is a God thing. And I think this applies to all of us, no matter how old we get. It's a command and a promise that we can never grow out of. I mean, yes, there does come a point in our society where, where you become your own person and, and your parents aren't in charge of you. But as long as they are alive, I believe God says to us, honour your father and your mother. Because that is a way of recognising that God has put them in your life. They are standings for God. And you might have terrible parents. I don't know but you can still honour them because it's about God. The other day I was speaking to a, a friend of mine about respecting parents. And, and just so you know, I don't think anybody here would know this guy. Uh, and his is a terrible, sad story. His, uh, his parents hardly ever have a, a kind word to say to him. He's always being putting down. They have forgotten his birthday for the last four years. And I asked him, I said, do you respect your parents? And he looked at me and he said, I respect the fact that they are my parents. And I think that's kind of what we can say. You might not like your mother or father, but respect them because God has put them in place over you. So that's what Paul says to kids. Obey your parents, honour them. He says that to all of us. So what about the parents here today? Obviously, if your kids are meant to obey you, you're in charge. That's a given. But that's not what Paul highlights in chapter 6, verse 4. What Paul highlights, what, what, what Paul paints a picture is, is, is of parents who are gentle and self-controlled and teachers and instructors, and godly men and women. Godly men and women standing in for God. You know, we don't, we don't realize it, but, but what Paul is describing as a parent would have been so radical back then. In the Roman world, your father was absolutely in charge over you. Your father literally had the, the right of life and death over you. There's a letter that, that survived from back then from a, a Roman father writing to his pregnant wife 
listen to this, this astounding line. If good luck to you, my wife, you have a child. If it is a boy, let it live. If it's a girl, throw it out. Father had life or death hold over you. Absolutely in charge. They wanted to, they could sell you as a slave or lock you in chains or do whatever. And back in those days, your father was in charge until the day he died. You never came of age. So what does God have to say to parents? How would Jesus have you parent your kids? I think Paul's got two things to say to us in chapter 6 verse 4. First off, don't exasperate your kids. Isn't that a brilliant word, exasperate? Another translation, don't provoke your kids to anger. Says Paul, I believe, make it easy for your kids to obey you, to respect you. That, that friend I mentioned, um, again, I don't want to give you the whole story, but in his family, the kids are exasperated with their parents, in particular with their father. You notice that Paul actually says fathers here. And you're right, it, it is for mothers as well, but, but maybe fathers, blokes, we need to hear what this message says especially. Because we can be so good at exasperating others. And there are so many ways that we can exasperate our kids. I, I saw a headline in the Weekend Australian yesterday, a picture of a kid in bubble wrap. And the headline, The Bubble Wrap Generation. We can exasperate our kids by mollycoddling them, wrapping them up in bubble wrap, smothering them. And it's probably done out of love, but, but you try and, 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 and mollycoddle a kid in front of its friends and you will learn the meaning of exasperation. You will provoke them to anger. Kids need to learn how to walk for themselves. They need to make their own mistakes. They need to become their own person. We can exasperate kids by showing favoritism to one or the other. Think of the story of, of Jacob and Esau. Jacob, Rebecca, his mother's shining light. Esau, absolutely the father's favorite. And, and if you know the story, if you want to read it, just how that favoritism tore the family apart. And how Jacob stole his birthright and, and tricked his father. I mean, where's the respect there? Where's the... I mean, that, that's a provocation, provoking to anger. I mean, where there is favoritism, somebody will always be upset. I think another way we can exasperate kids is, is by the things that we say. If we're always saying something negative, what sort of self-image will they have? If you always tell your kids that, that they're not doing it properly and they're never going to do it right and they're never going to make it, 
surely they will be exasperated. Why would they want to obey you if what they do is never good enough for you? Kids can be exasperated by neglect. They can be provoked by ang- to anger by, by trying to fit them into a mould of what you think they should be. You can exasperate them by making them something that they're not. By refusing to, to acknowledge that they are their own person with their own personality and, and gifts and talents and skills. And parents can provoke kids to anger by cruelty and violence. and You know, the list just goes on. I'm sure you can come up with a hundred ways to exasperate kids. But all these ways to exasperate, they're hardly of the Spirit, are they? They're hardly a sign of a life that is, that is all about Jesus' Spirit filling in and pouring out to the family. It's hardly the way God treats us. Says Paul, don't exasperate your kids. So what about discipline? I don't think Paul's against discipline. It's, it's, it's actually part of, of what he means when he says, train them up in, in, in the training and instruction of the Lord. Just as God disciplines us, so Christian parents are to discipline their children. And God disciplines us so that we learn obedience to Him says Hebrews chapter 12, so too parents discipline your children so that, they, so that they learn obedience to you and through that learn obedience to God. Discipline is, is part of training your kids in the instruction of the Lord. In the instruction and training of the Lord. I mean, that's the most important job that a parent has in this world. At the core of Christian parenting is leading and walking your child's heart and head to that of Jesus. That word that Paul uses for bring them up is, is, is actually the word for nurture. And you nurture children by teaching them about Jesus. That is the God-given task for parents. And, and, and I'm sure parents love teaching their kids. I mean, you teach them all sorts of things. If, if you love football, you teach them how to do a handball. And if you love proper sports, you teach them how to do rugby or, or whatever. Parents pass on their, their loves to their children. If you're watching the AFL Grand Final and you're yelling and screaming because the Saints have finally got a goal, watch your kids. They'll, they'll learn. Well, when the Saints score, we yell and we shout. Kids copy. And they copy when it comes to faith as well. What do your children see in the way that you live your life? You're watching the Grand Final, you're explaining the rules to your child. And they learn the rules of the game. Living life, do you explain God's instruction? What do your kids see at home? What does your Christianity look like when the doors are closed? 
I, I don't want to put you on a guilt trip. Please don't go and say, this stupid pastor has made me feel bad. I, I do want to remind you, and, and I think Paul reminds us, that it is your duty as parents to teach your kids in the ways of the Lord. And church can help, and Sunday school does a great job, but it's not the church's responsibility first and foremost. It is the parents' duty. You are the ones that God has placed in that family to grow your children to be godly people. Let me finish here. I I do know that there are people here, godly men and women, whose children have left the faith or who are wandering away from the faith at the moment. And I'm reminded of Adam and Eve. I'd say they were pretty good parents. They, they knew the ways of God. They, you read the story, they taught their sons about offering to God and, and making sacrifices. And, and they taught them in the ways of the Lord. But their firstborn child was a murderer. It's not your job as a parent to save your children. You can't do that just as much as you can't save yourself. It's your job as a parent to introduce your kids to the one who can save them. At the moment, I'm I'm reading Augustine's Confessions, the most brilliant book. I'd rate it up with Pilgrim's Regress as the best book I've read this year. This this amazing man of God who, who did so much for the church. And his mother, as he writes, was a strong Christian. And Augustine, as he grew up, he he rejected his mother's faith. He studied astrology, studied all sorts of philosophy. But he writes in the Confessions, all this time my mother was praying for me. Let me read you just a a short paragraph. This, This is, wow. Augustine writes, in the middle of his, of his running away from God, I had drunk devotion to the name of my Saviour, your Son, into my tender heart with my mother's milk. Once I had treasured it deep inside me, and it was your mercy, God, that nothing except that name had ever taken complete hold of me, however learned, sophisticated, or profound I became. Children, obey and honour your parents. Parents, be as Christ to your kids.